welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, you! ...in the game. Coming up on today's show, unsurprisingly, we're talking about national anthem protests and the new rules being brought in by the NFL. We'll also talk about Panthers owners, we'll talk about Le'Veon Bell, we'll talk about Reuben Foster, the Chargers being cursed, where's the Super Bowl going to be? And we've got some great guests coming up for you. This is the Gridiron Show. Uh, hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you. Yes, you. In that game, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, and down the line from his lovely abode in Hartlepool, Matthew Sherry. Hey, guys. Very nice to talk to you. Sherry, um, where is Hartlepool? Uh, it is best I could describe it directly between Middlesbrough and Sunderland in the northeast of England on the North Sea coast. Okay. Would you like me to give you a more accurate description? Yeah. The arse end of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so I've driven up. I know um, there's a plan for me to go up there at some point. I've driven up to Scarborough. Yeah, Scarborough. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about an hour and 15 away. Oh, it's so long, just fa- long old further drive. up that coast. Do you know what? I think I'm thinking the beginning of August. What's happening then? Um, I'm at my cousin's wedding at a point at the beginning of August, but if it's very, very beginning of August, like late July, early August. Well, I'm going to the test match in Edgbaston, first and second, which is a Wednesday, Thursday. Friday is the third, perhaps. So why don't why don't you come to me on the? Why don't you come to me first and then go to the test match on the way back? I really could do that. See, I was going to say, if you were going to do a little later than that, around the second week of August, my wife will be in Thailand and I will be entirely free to do what I want and we could have done a lads weekend. Should we just do that? Well, I feel like... uh, I already feel slighted because I don't play golf that I've not been invited to this. There's no no (laughs) non-invite. Oh, oh, no, now you know how it feels, do you? (laughs) Going for the king of the non-invite complaint. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) How's this shoe on the other foot, buddy? (laughs) What weekend would that be, Will? I don't know. I need to double-check, and the internet in this studio is rubbish. It's the the 10th is a Friday. Yeah, Yeah, I I go to Japan... On like the seventeenth or something like that, so the weekend before that. But I need to double check that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm driving back from Weymouth, which is like a seven hour drive. On that, do you mean Weymouth? On that Friday the tenth. But I mean, I will be back for the weekend of the eleventh and the twelfth. I think this is certainly an option. Why are we having the meeting that we said before we started recording (laughs) (laughs) on air? Uh, (laughs) This is uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, right, so coming up on the show today, because we have the anthem news coming out of America and we're going to get some reaction to that, uh, we've got a couple of interviews from the Super Bowl we wanted to roll out that we've kind of not got to yet. Uh, Seth DeValve, tight end of the Cleveland Browns. I wasn't in on this interview, so you guys talk about the, the RISE stuff, which is the Ross Initiative for sport, in yeah. Sports for Equality, and we're also going to have Jocelyn Benson, their, their CEO, on the show. But uh, did you talk to Seth DeValve about anything other than the anthem stuff and the protests, etc.? Well, how bad Cleveland were. <laughs> Good. That's what uh, I was hoping Hugh for. Hugh Jackson. All of that stuff. Hugh um, Jackson. Yeah. Good. Uh, but it was a great interview, Sherry, but it was one of the most difficult ones that we've ever had to do. And, and do you know why I'm, I'm saying that? You're a disgrace. I know why you're saying that, and I wasn't there. Yeah, I can't remember why. Were you distracted, Ollie? Is that There's, why? It, uh, no, I managed not to be distracted, but there was a big discra- distraction in the room, and uh, I'll just leave it at that, Sherry, yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's enough said. You're a disgrace. Right. How's that uh, a disgrace? <laughs> because I'm going to tell everyone. Well, no you're way. referring to how attractive Seth the Valve's wife is. That's what you're talking That's about. 100% not what I'm talking about. He On a day where we've had this <laughs> stuff with F1 grid girls and Lewis Hamilton saying, ladies are beautiful and deserve to be looked at. The skeezy, horrible little oh, man. He's the worst, isn't he? <laughs> and now you're becoming like him. I'm becoming like Lewis Hamilton. Brilliant. <laughs> That's the worst thing I could possibly say to you. Uh... Guys, let's talk about uh, the news then, and particularly the this latest stuff. With the anthems, owners have started to issue their response to uh, to the announcement made as part of this owners' meeting out in Atlanta that uh, they will enact a, n- a national anthem policy policy for 2018 that will require players and league personnel on the sideline to stand, but gives them the option to remain in the locker room if they don't want to stand. Uh, under the change approved by team owners at the spring league meeting, individual clubs have the power to set their own policies to ensure the anthem is being respected during any on-field action if a player chooses to. Pro- protest on the sideline the NFL will fine the team now Goodell spoke about this immediately after the uh, immediately after the the vote and and during his press conference and essentially said this is all about focusing on football in 2018 I'm sorry if you're telling me that for the opening game of the season the opening weekend of the season we're not going to be playing count the players on the sideline trying to figure out who stayed back in the locker room talking about this even more for another occasion they've taken what has been an issue that has ebbed and flowed and they've pushed it back into the public mindset whilst attempting to do exactly the opposite it just seems absolutely bizarre to me yeah i mean that's the that's the bit that that i think we can be we can comment on properly is is the nfl's the decision by the nfl because it, it reminds me so much of the the way this all started last season in in that it kind of died off and then Trump threw the gasoline on the fire and, and it started all over again. And now the NFL have done the same thing because by the end of the season, it was becoming more of a non-issue. And now that, as you say, it's going to just be the focus again. I'd, I'm not a huge fan of the the hand-wringing from across the pond about the, the issue itself. I'm not really sure with it. I, I think that they should be allowed to protest how they want to protest. And I feel feel that way but by the same account i also accept that as a non-american who hasn't been bred from birth with the flag and the way they treat the flag and but i don't think it is from birth i think it's all to do with i mean it really i think there's a there's kind of two particular fire sale points which turns the anthem and the and the flag into such a big deal and the first is the association between the flag and the 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 armed services police uh, fire, etc., and that particularly has happened and raised since nine eleven. And then add to that the fact that essentially you've not been able to slag off the armed forces in America since Vietnam, essentially because they're so ashamed of what a mess that's been. It's this cauldron of nonsense that's come together to say that you can't speak out against anything American, else you are un-American. Whereas actually. In a constitution that's all about free speech, yeah. surely the whole point is that no, it's it's I'd... it's as American as apple pie to talk about these issues. I, I agree on that, but I, I just think, like, I, I personally can't get invested in a strong feeling about whether I agree with one side or the other in terms of the specific type of protest because it just doesn't, it doesn't affect my life. I'm not American. I don't have strong feelings towards the American flag. In fact, I think it's trivial in the way that I'm naturally going to, because I'm British and there's not that same level of, 
importance placed upon a national anthem and a flag. And so, listen, I can understand that there might be some American people who maybe aren't racist who think, yeah, you should stand for the flag. We have a problem with that. But I also, from from my own perspective, if I was making the decision, I would let the players protest in, in whatever the way they want. But I really hate, and it's the same with everything political now in the world, more so than ever with social media, it's one side or the other with everybody. There's no there's no middle ground. There'll be lots of American people who turned away from the NFL last year because of this protest, who are reasonable-minded reasonable people and just didn't like it. And, I mean, that's their own choice, isn't it? So I, ju- I just sometimes it does irritate me looking at social media and seeing all the, the hand-wringing from people. I mean, it, it just seems like as a society as a whole now, we, we can't have different I, viewpoints that coexist. You are the one side or the other and you're either very right or very wrong. And that, that's the, the and, nature and the, of the, the, everyone the NFL, having a voice in the social media it, age, isn't it? Well, not really. I, I think the I think the nuance has just gone from anything like this. But by the same account, I mean, I agree with you guys completely on it. And I, and I disagree hugely with the NFL, who, I mean, whose commitment to shambles, really, is their most <laughs> admirable quality. Like... I, I had, I, like, the, the only, so apparently it was unanimously voted on. The only person that abstained was the 49ers uh, CEO, Jed York, who abstained not on the basis of disagreeing, but abstained on the basis that he wasn't happy that there wasn't player involvement in the conversation. And NFLPA and Malcolm Jenkins and a bunch of other people have immediately come out and said, we can't believe we weren't consulted on this after the previous meetings, after those which now appear to have just been to make themselves look good at the time and to calm the players down instead of actually trying to advance the conversation on the players' side of things. But... Yeah, I, I forgot my original point because I got angry about it. <laughs> but the, the the like that's that's the kind of thing that frustrates me is that you only one owner's abstained from it, which is the 49ers owner, which makes him look good. But then they haven't rehired Eric Reed, and there are pretty valid football reasons that we need him yeah. on our team. Yeah, and yeah, but then Kenny Vaccaro still hasn't got a job either. What what's the reason for that? Like, I mean, I I, I don't know, but I, I think there's you know there is arguments about it's like Kaepernick that. I mean, Kaepernick's becoming a better a better player with every every passing day. Should he be in the <laughs> NFL? Of course, he should be in the NFL. But he also wasn't the fringe Hall of Fame All Pro that everybody now pretends he was. Like you know, it's I, I just think like people are to just get so I, I can't describe it. It's just everybody has to be so extreme in their viewpoint. And listen, I can understand that the flag is an emotive issue, and that anthem's an emotive issue. I've stood in NFL stadiums probably nearly 20 times during that anthem at Spine Tinglin. I understand completely how to a lot of people it's a powerful thing, a, a special moment to, to celebrate your country. Admittedly, America, let's be honest, the place, is it really worth celebrating a lot of what's going on at the moment? I don't think it is, but then lots of Americans do, and they're, they're entitled surely, to think that. Yeah, and the, but surely the, the, the players that feel like it isn't worth celebrating are entitled, be allowed to, do, yeah. are entitled yeah. to do what they want. And... I, I, I completely agree. My issue, I mean, I think the NFL has acted ludicrously on it. It's a preposterous rule. My slight issue with it is, it's not so much the, it is the hand-wringing. It's when I see social media arguments with people who, who some people very reasonably voice their, their reasons for saying that they don't like the protest, etc., and the way they just hounded and shouted down. Yeah, and then, I, and, and, I... Then by, and then by the same account, on the other side, you get the complete 
more on NRA types of Americans who are just horrifically racist to people. And it's like, the answer is not both of those things. The answer lies in the middle of those two extreme and, and, points. And trust me, I, nothing annoys me more. And this is a conversation we can have across all political news coverage, everything else. But in the mind of, and I, I, I speak certainly for myself when I say I sit very much on the left side of politics. Um, Likewise. Uh, uh, the, I hate nothing more when I see someone who shares political views with me using those kind of tactics yeah, online, exactly. which mm. I which in my mind I consider to be something that I would expect from the kind of hard right in America. When I see somebody who sits on the left of politics, but then using the same tactics, and it's the same argument. I used to work at LBC, and it's the same conversation I used to have with James O'Brien in that I agree with James O'Brien on about 90% of the stuff he says. But when he shouts a caller down, to me that makes him no better than any of our yeah. right-wing guys like Nick Ferrari or anyone like that, and, and it, it because you're using like, the same tactics. It seems like now that is just the world. It's like, you know, be <laughs> that sharing. or be that. Sounds like a broken man. Or you never, or you, you know, that's it. And that's what irritates me with any of this stuff. So, really, I mean, what we should be talking about is the NFL's decision is totally ludicrous. Everybody yeah. knows it's ludicrous. But it does, again, the reaction to it, and that's what I'm kind of basing this off because we've had 12 hours to react to it, which is a lifetime these days. It's just, it is just. It, it creates the problem, the reaction to it. Here's why I'd really like to see some people stand up and do now, who sit on the other side of the what argument. Do you, do you mean kneel down and do? Uh, <laughs> very good, to kneel down and do. Is The conversation has been, are they doing this because they're concerned that it's hitting them in their pocket because people walked away over the anthem protests? I genuinely almost didn't want to do a show today because I was so annoyed about this decision and I knew I was going to get ranty about it. I'd like to see some people from the other side of the argument now say, well, I'm not going to watch the NFL because you've taken away players' rights to protest. Yeah. Have the same conversation and see where, it's, where it sits with them then. They're stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place, but there's clearly a right thing to do and the right thing would have been to pay attention to the Constitution and say they have their right to protest. Let's let them do it. And uh, <laughs> where... Uh, where do you think the players association will go from here will it be are we leaning towards are we are we going towards some sort of strike from some players because of the the right to protest is, is I think going? it's all making the CBA in two or three years time every time something new happens yeah. it's making the that the likelihood of a lockout then yeah. higher and higher that's that's the thing the players association their hands are really tied unless unless the, the any of this rule goes directly against the CBA, which I, I can't imagine it would, given that they've implemented all those. I mean, it is the NFL, so probably right. goes against every rule in it. But yeah, I agree with you, Will. I think the, the big thing in that is several years down the line. Not not so, not so many years now, actually. There are a few other bits and pieces of news from around the NFL that we need to touch on. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, Dave Tepper has been sworn in as the new Panthers owner, having voted in Tepper, who's worth apparently $11 billion, bought the Carolina Panthers for $2.275 billion. Uh, the big thing is in terms of uh, our, our understanding and our and our what it, how it affects us is we had a conversation which was could a new owner come in and consider moving the Panthers because they've already talked about how they need a new stadium. Tepper is very much committed to, and apparently Jerry Richardson said it was part of the sale that they had to commit to staying long term in they Carolina. Need a new stadium? I mean, they we've all been. Don't. Yeah, but they, they believe they, they believe they do. I think it's a yeah, great stadium a as well. Just modernise it a little bit, maybe, oh, but it's God. a great stadium. Yeah. It's got everything. It's right downtown. 
Fantastic. It's a wonderful, wonderful it's, it's stadium. It's one of the, the best I, stadiums the I've I, been to. The I idea love that it. you need a new stadium every 10 or 15 years nowadays is what? getting out of Get out. Farcicles. It's a great stadium. Oh, that pisses me <laughs> off. Sorry. That annoys me. Uh, the best part of, uh, the, the best part by Country Mile of Dave Tepper's introductory press conference, though, have you either seen or heard, and they talked about this on the Around the NFL podcast at the start today, which I've only listened to the first five minutes of, but have you seen or heard when Ian Rappaport asked him a question in the press conference? Rappaport. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, Ian Rappaport asked him a question and he looked at me and went, sorry, is your hair real? Ah. Is, is, it like, is it dyed or like a wig or something? Yeah. Basically suggested that it was not entirely his own hair it's in the press dark. conference in front of everyone there. It was amazing. Well, how did uh, the Around the NFL guys react? I'll go and listen to it, but I want you to tell me. Uh, they, they, they basically laughed at him and said it was very funny. And they asked the question, Surely an NFL owner should know who the lead news reporter on NFL Network is. Does it? Not necessarily surely they should, but does it concern you he doesn't? They all agree that it really doesn't. They don't care. He's a billionaire who's going to pump money into the team. Yeah. Why should he know who Ian Rappaport is? Yeah. Just very, very funny. He'll, oh, he'll it's, know. It's also a massive continuation of the old boys club, isn't it? Like, oh, God. There was, there was so many nice like suggestions of potential ownership groups, but... There is that pathway of buying a minority somebody, stake in a team, and then you get the next team. It's such a farce, isn't so, it? Like, somebody in the uh, somebody in the office today asked me with the anthem stuff about where, like, basically out and out said, "Do you think that's come down on high from Trump?" And what I said is, "No." But when you consider that thirty-one out of thirty-two of the NFL owners are over the age of sixty, white billionaires. Uh, is an old boys club to the nth degree. And even with Shad Khan, even though he's since spoken out on, you know, against uh, and partaken in anthem protests and everything else, he still put money into Trump's inauguration. So, yeah, more than yeah, more. But um, the, the, the NFL owners all stopped Trump from getting into, I think it was the Buffalo Bills, wasn't it? Um, uh, it's going back away now. It's going yeah. back away, but they can't stand the guy. Or they didn't. They couldn't stand the guy at the time. They didn't like the fact that he was trying to muscle in on as you say, the old boys club, it, it'll be interesting to see if that's changed. I know the the relationship with Robert Kraft went a little bit sour and uh, Tom Brady was trying to distance himself from Trump a, a year or so ago as well. So I wonder how they do actually really feel about Trump and maybe Shad Khan putting money in is more to do with the Republican Party rather than Trump itself. But, you know, I we, think we don't time, know. It was very, very pro-Trump from Shad Khan, but in terms of the man... I think there was a good relationship there. I'm not sure that that's well. Who knows whether that's the case now? The public face says that isn't, but right. that we'll, isn't always representative. We'll have more on that with Jocelyn Benson and Seth Devalve coming out to close out the show. A few of the bits of news. Oh, the Chargers! Oh, I can't even talk about this. <laughs> Hunter Henry, who was ready, he was there. No relation. He's going to be the. His first name's Hunter. <laughs> your surname is your surname isn't Henry. What are you on about? It's not. It's a Daniil Hunter. That would have been fine. I'm quite pleased with how quickly I thought of an NFL Hunter. Then that um, was very good. <laughs> uh, Hunter Henry no. torn ACL in practice. <laughs> uh, stop laughing. It's a really sad news. Uh, torn ACL in practice. The third year tight end uh, will likely uh, miss a significant chunk of the season it's an offense that we were excited about uh, with the weapons they had available it's a team that we're excited about Mm. I know we haven't started on our on our kind of season preview stuff yet but I know I've been I'm really excited about the Chargers I I was going to pick them for the Super Bowl in the next gridiron there you go 
Get rewriting, mate. Well, the thing about this injury is that he had a really good year last year, a pretty good rookie year. And then I really thought that this would have been his breakout year into that top five tight end category with all the other weapons and that, that the Chargers have, that they could only really put one man on Hunter Henry. And he is a big body, great hands. I thought this was going to be his breakout year. I'm gutted for the bloke. They won six of the last seven games. They were nine and four once Henry replaced Antonio Gates in the starting lineup three games into the season. They did sign Virgil Green, who we had on the show obviously earlier this offseason talking about free agency. They signed Virgil Green for some depth, um, but you know he's never gone past 25 receptions or, or 250 yards. So it's a big uh, weight to go on his shoulders if they are expecting him to start. I mean... Antonio Gates will probably end up re-signing within the next three yeah, weeks. They'll, but... they'll, they'll sign Gates. <laughs> Old man Gates. Sure. Uh, I, I wouldn't, like, they are definitely going to need to be looking at other options. The pass, they've got good pass catchers there, but they do need somebody yeah. who can be the kind of short yardage, over the middle, big body type, and they don't have that right now. And, and we won't be able to see him on our tour. Gutting. Oh, that is gutting. Oh, he might be back by then. That's November. What's his now? Yeah, he could be back by then. Yeah, Six months for an ACL yeah. is, is reasonable. Touchwood, touchwood. Did you see Antonio Brown calling Le'Veon Bell out at, uh, uh, at uh, Steelers practice? I didn't know. I did like I did like this. I'd been calling him out to stretch, but he basically said, uh, you can't make anything better without showing up. Get here, get better, rather than holding out over your contract situation. Again, yeah. Like it. Yeah. How sick must you be of Le'Veon Bell's act if you're a Steelers Fan of personnel, man. He'll get fourteen point five million under the franchise tag, and and yeah. I get it because running backs don't get the same assurances longer term of their health, etc. He wants a longer term deal to you know make sure that his future is assured. But yeah, it, it's so but much cannot, nonsense. But on the other side of it, from Lev Lev Bell's point of view, you can see where he's coming. I don't know what's going on back there. I never, I never know, know what's, what's going, going on. Back but there. you can see what's um you can can see from his point of view. He did lead the league in, well, he led the Steelers in um, in, in total yards. <laughs> and he is more than a running back. And I think then there does need to be, there needs, they need to look at the traditional ways of how you designate a player's position and think, right, okay, that is the value of the player. And I can see where he's coming from, how he's doing it. Maybe this is his protest that, of uh, of of trying to change things, and, and that's the only way he thinks he can do it. But I can I see why he's doing it. I, I'm not sure he's doing this for the good of all running backs everywhere. No, right? he's I think doing he's it doing for the good of, for his, his for own the good of Le- Le'Veon Bell. But <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Um, uh, Ruben Foster will be returning to 49ers training this week. Uh, his the domestic violence case against him has been thrown out by a, a Californian superior court judge uh, after it was emerged that essentially it was all nonsense. Um, he has had his he w- he is still facing a misdemeanor charge for marijuana possession and a misdemeanor weapons charge as well, which was bumped down from a uh, from a felony charge to a misdemeanor charge because. The weapon was legal in the state that he bought it. It just isn't legal in California. Basically, you've been an idiot, but at least you haven't been an idiot that that beats up women. So, welcome back to the team, but maybe expect some kind of suspension from the league for two to four games over all the other stuff. Will he actually get suspended by the league for that, though? I don't know, because it's, it's two charges. It's misdemeanor drugs and misdemeanor weapons. Maybe not, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him at least get a couple of games for the old bringing the league into disrepute stuff. Yeah, he probably should, shouldn't he? But, I mean, it's a, 
it's a classic scenario of an example why why people shouldn't just immediately jump to conclusions when they read the charges and the reports without can, anybody being found guilty, isn't it, really? Can we just mention Dem 49ers uniforms? Oh, oh, incredible. Oh, my goodness. And, and not only that, but Jerry Rice, who retired from the league like 15 years ago, looks absolutely incredible. Yeah, he looks like, younger than you. I honestly think he could go out there and do a job for us this season based <laughs> on how he looked in the uni yesterday. He's so... Do you know he's still... Like, there's a very famous story about Jerry Rice that he used to... Yeah, what are you doing, Sherry? I'm, uh, I'm walking to the shop. <laughs> Sorry. I, know, I, I, I really... I'm, I'm on a tight schedule. So. Right, well, we are on a tight schedule too, so... Uh, but yeah, we, I agree with you. Those uniforms are amazing. Those uniforms are amazing. Jerry Rice still runs the hills all the time, apparently, which is what he used to do when he was a 49er, running up and down hills every morning to stay fit. The guy is a hero. I'm going to say goodbye to Sherry before he gets to talk about New Orleans because he's rattling away. But are you, you're excited we're going back in four years, right? I'm excited for both. I like Arizona as well. We did have fun in Arizona. We, it was it was my We've first Super Bowl, and it was Arizona, awesome. Haven't we? Oh yeah, I cannot wait. We should go back to the same place, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we could even stay in the same place. To be honest, that was pretty decent, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm excited. Pretty convenient. I'm excited. Right, Sherry. Go to the shops and do what you need to do. Get out of here. Matt Sherry, editor of Gridiron Magazine. Uh, this is the news that Nashville's going to hold next year's draft. Ugh, country music. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I hate country music, but Nashville is on, it's meant to be a great on my list of yes. places. But I really want to watch football there rather than watching a draft. Uh, and Arizona and New Orleans will host the next two Super Bowls that are announced. So uh, 2023 oh, horror, The Gridiron Show loves that New Orleans. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> right. Coming up, Seth DeValve, tight end of the Cleveland Browns, then Jocelyn Benson, CEO of the Rosh Initiative for, uh, in Sports for Equalities. These are interviews we did back at the Super Bowl, but considering today's news, they are well worth a listen. Keep getting in touch with us on Twitter, at Gridiron. Uh, let us know. Go and rate the show on iTunes, by the way. If you've never done it, it really helps us out and bumps us up the charts quite a lot. So really appreciate it. And um, yeah, Ollie, quickly, before we get to the interviews, any th- final thoughts? Um, solo. Can't wait to see it. I'm going tonight. Cannot wait. We'll talk about it on a later show. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the interviews. Love you. Bye. Okay, so we're joined on Radio Row by one of my favourite people, not only because he uh, plays for the embattled Cleveland Browns, but also because he just completely forgot who Matthew Sherry was. And <laughs> I love that. It's Seth DeValve. How are you, big man? I'm good, guys. How are you? Yeah, we could. I mean, uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be you guys have been right at this for how long? Well, this well, week? Yeah, this week. Since yeah. when? Monday? Yeah. Well, we have been here since Monday, but we um, we made, a, I would say, an unconscious decision to uh, act like frat boys on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday we started hitting it hard. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I got so, you. yeah, things have, um, things have had a slow start, but we're fully in the swing now, and mm-hmm. uh, delighted you're here. What brings you to Radio Row for the second year in a row? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's an exciting atmosphere, uh, number one. Uh, number two, I'm here um, on behalf of RISE, which is um, Ross Initiative in Sports for our, um, sorry, let me try that again. All good. Uh, Ross Initiative in, uh, what is it? For social equality. For social, social equality, yeah, that's what it is. Are we live? No, man. We're all good. I've time coded. I've time coded this. So what we're going to do is Ollie's going to say to you, "Why are you here again?" 
Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. Why couldn't I think of that? It's just for in Sports for Equality. It's Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. Gosh, I need to know that. You, you had that down just How then. How did you get into Princeton? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking It's kind of a tongue tire, though. <laughs> it really is a tongue tire. So, Seth, we've been here all week. Yes. Ish. Uh, but why are you here today? Yeah, um, I'm here, number one, on behalf of RISE, um, which is Ross Initiative in Sports for Athletics. Um, I believe it's... <laughs> this is great. This is awesome. I did go to Princeton. I know. Why do I keep saying the wrong thing? I said it like three he seconds ago. He said ago. it wrong about four times. This guy went to Princeton, Will. No, 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 no. I'm okay. Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. I've been saying it all week. I have. I'm sorry. So, Seth, what brings, <laughs> what brings you to Radio Row? Um, I'm here, number one, on behalf of RISE, which is Ross Initiative in Sports for Equality. Um, it's about, it's an organization, I think it's about three years old, um, founded by Stephen Ross, who's the owner for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, we've got a couple of events uh, last night and today. And so my wife and I flew in yesterday. And uh, my agent and his agency is here as well, and we're, we have some events with him as well. And um, it's, a, it's a fun atmosphere, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to come back. It's, it's, it's far more cramped, though, than last year. Oh, so, it sure is. Yeah. It sure is. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be cramped at this town hall event as well because, obviously, you've got you guys there from Rise and also the Players Coalition, I believe Josh McCown is going to be there. Yeah. How much are you guys as players around the league even separate to these kind of things, discussing these things right now? It obviously sharp focus last year with, with the anthem protests and everything else, but... How many conversations are you having with other guys around the league right now on this? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's really one of the main reasons the Players Coalition was founded was to um, to promote conversation uh, across teams um, because really it, it's – I think people on the outside looking in think there's more conversation among uh, – uh, NFL players than there really is and they think we have a, everybody's n phone number but the reality is we don't and so the conversations really happen within teams within the players that are on your roster and um, I think one of the main goals of the Players Coalition was to unite voices of teams provide a, provide a way for people across teams to get in touch with each other and also to speak on behalf of the players um, and advocating um, uh, for communities to the NFL, and what is the reaction? What was the reaction to you personally with the whole anthem protest? Because I mean, you were one of the, the very few white players who did it as a as a starting point, and I believe the first. And also, we saw in Cleveland the story about the the police protesting the protest to you guys. So I just want to know what the what the general feeling was like in Cleveland when you you guys got involved in that and. and what reaction you've had from people outside of the, the kind of mainstream stuff that we hear about it? Yeah. Have you had support? Have you had some criticism? How's that been? Yeah, we, we had an abundance of both. Um, support and criticism. Um, you know, social media kind of provides a buffer toward actual human interaction and people can kind of say whatever crosses their mind and I think a lot of times it's things that they probably wouldn't say 
in person to you, you know, when, when you actually know somebody and know what their heart is and what their intentions are. And, um, but, you know, there was obviously these are polarizing, difficult um, conversations. They're difficult and polarizing issues. And um, we had, we had a, a lot of negative feedback, but at the same time, we had a lot of positive feedback. Um, and I think I think what what people heard about the the Cleveland police was polarizing too because it wasn't all of Cleveland police. There was a there was a, a small segment of the union, I believe, that that had a problem with it. And um, but actually, the police chief came out and supported us, and um, and and many many more police from that community as well. Given some of the negative feedback, would you? Have- would you change doing what you did? Or you, you, excuse the pun, but you stand by what you did? Yeah, I do stand by what I did. Um, I don't, I don't wish to take it back. I don't wish to apologize for it. I think it was necessary. Now, personally, and different people would answer this part differently, but personally, I don't desire to continue kneeling because that I desire to honor our country. Um, I desire to stand. It didn't, it didn't feel good not standing. It's not something I want to do, but it's something that I think can be done when necessary. And I think the particular time we did it, um, I'm glad we did it. And how much do you think, do you think you've been successful at least so far in at least starting these conversations and we've mentioned that the, the players union now and obviously rise as well do you think that the conversation has been started and, and we're going to start seeing some real progress from from what you guys have done yeah well, i mean we're talking about it right now so there's uh and i've talked about it a lot and many many more people across the country and across the world are are uh are talking about it um awareness is is particularly important when we, we start talking about social justice, especially in the United States, um, because there's a lot of people, quite frankly, who don't either don't believe it's an issue or unaware that it's an issue still. And um, that's why awareness is so important um, and educating people on the realities of many lived experiences here in this country. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think we've been successful in starting the conversation. I think um, we've been successful in continuing the conversation, but also um, continuing to pursue um, action steps to start making uh, a measurable difference. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk to you as well about the football. Um, true. Yes, true, Matthew Sherry. How... How, how do you approach this off-season after last year? Have you managed to put it behind yet? I just can't really envisage how difficult it was being in that locker room, certainly when yeah. kind of the old 16 situation was confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, organizationally, everybody's got to be better at everything they do, um, from the players to the management to the coaches. Um, an off season is a time where you really focus individually on making yourself better and holding up your end of the bargain that you've got to be better next year, you know? And, um, you know, if I go out and improve myself, 
as a football player and all my teammates do and all my coaches do, we're going to be a better team next year. Hugh Jackson's a guy we've spoken to on, in this forum in the past and, and really enjoyed our time with him. However, it did seem that almost the pressure got to him a little bit last year. He he didn't seem to really have Deshaun Kaiser's back, certainly in the media, and, and certainly from an outside perspective, it almost seemed like at times he was getting thrown under the bus slightly. I mean, what were your thoughts on, on Coach Jackson last year, and and just how was that relationship with, with Deshaun Kaiser? And it just seemed like a really difficult situation from the outside, certainly towards the end of the year. It was a difficult situation, and I, th I don't think... You know, I don't think Coach Jackson is to be blamed for that. I think Coach Jackson has done a tremendous job with the job he's been given. Um, there, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Um, there's so much that people outside the building will never really know about that goes on. Um, I think that Coach Jackson was came into a difficult situation and is really the right guy for the job to bring us to bring us out of it and to turn the page and um, to bring winning back to Cleveland. Um, I know I'm not the only one that would say that, and I think most of the guys in the locker room would say that. Um, to, to, to say we've gone 1-31 in the last two years and for the guys to respect him still the way they do and for him to keep the team fighting the way they did, it's unprecedented in the NFL. Um, so... I've got the utmost respect for him, and I think he's the right guy for the job. How excited are you and the rest of the team that you've got two picks in the first four this yeah. year, regardless of what may happen right. uh, bef at, uh, at draft day, but you've got two picks, and one may be another quarterback, one could be a running back. What's, uh, what's the feeling in and around the locker room that you're going to get at least two more studs come in again? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, um, you know, Cleveland for... Uh, going on three years now has really kind of stockpiled assets and um, I think the I think the strategy of the former regime that was there was kind of to to stockpile some assets and to eventually you know probably around year three to make good on them and to pull the trigger on many of them um, the last couple of years that looked like acquiring lots of draft picks um what that's going to look like this year i mean we've got number one and number four like you've talked about i have no idea what they're going to do with it you know <laughs> what i mean like it's exciting yeah. because we're in a position to do a lot whether that is to trade them for something or to or to use them in the draft uh, we've got cap space galore um so yeah it's exciting knowing that we've got tools and we've got the right guys in it you know in the job to use the tools to make our football team as best as possible who knows between now and then what actually is going to happen with those picks or if we still have them or i've got no idea and that's why i play and block and catch and they are upstairs thinking about all that stuff do you think the hiring of an offensive coordinator will be a real help to coach jackson because it seems that sometimes these guys who call players, they kind of manage one side of the ball, plus they're trying to be a head coach. They spread themselves way too thin. So do you think taking that off his plate and allowing him to have an overall view of the team will be beneficial? Yeah, I do I do think it was beneficial. Um, I think Todd Haley is, is 
proven to be very successful, and I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. Um, I do think Coach Jackson is a guy that will work himself to death and work himself through the night and not even sleep. Um, and and he, and he wouldn't he wouldn't change that for anything. That's just how committed he is to his to his profession. So given that, I think it's smart for him, even though he can physically do it, to take some off his plate, to allow him to be more of a coach, more of an organizer. Um, and I think he'll be more effective, and the offensive coordinator will be more effective because of it. And very quickly, we're running out of time, but there's no way you're going 0-16 next year, are you? Absolutely not. Come on. Come on, the Browns. <laughs> Seth, thank Thanks. you so much yeah. for joining us. Thank man. you, guys. Appreciate it. So back on Radio Row, I'm just going to make sure we're recording we are. I'm delighted uh, to be joined now by uh, Justin Benson, the CEO of RISE, the Ross Initiative for Sports Equality, um, holding a town hall here at the Super Bowl this year with a number of, of big-name players, former players, Scott Pioli, the assistant general manager at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and obviously, this town hall's been happening the last few years, Justin, but I think with the conversation that's happened over the last 18 months in the NFL, it probably takes on more and more significance as time as time goes on. Yeah, certainly. I think really we're starting to see the focus shift away from raising awareness. You know, we, we released a report today that found that I think 70 or 80% of the actions taken around athletes using their platform to improve race relations in our country last season were specifically for focus on just raising awareness, sparking a conversation, getting people to care, raising raising the issue. And we now see a focus or shift to action. Um, what are we actually going to do? What's the impact going to actually be? And so, um, so our conversation at our town hall tomorrow is going to be uh, about just that. And how do we move from raising awareness to real change? The, um, obviously, there's been reports of the likes of Malcolm Jenkins active with, with the NFL themselves in this and, and the NFL kind of putting some money in to do in their part of it as well. Are you guys involved separately with them or is it kind of separate? Yeah, we, we um, you know, Josh McCown from the Players Coalition is going to be at our town hall tomorrow okay. and uh, we've, uh, we we are an education organization and so our goal is to provide education and analyze um, best practices and share them with teams and clubs and leagues and players so, so that they can make their own decisions about how to use their voice. I think the Players Coalition is an outgrowth of that. So Malcolm Jenkins and Anquan Bolden have been tremendous leaders uh, in identifying criminal justice reform as a primary issue they wanted to focus on and then they reached out to players built this coalition uh, and our goal really is to uh, help them uh, um, and support them however we can from the outside uh, and uh, and ensure that uh, they're a part of um, uh, discussions that we're a part of at the, at the national level with lawmakers on the issue of criminal justice reform. Because I think that is a, a, a kind of key to all of this because immediately as soon as that announcement was made about the money that's being put in and the, and the conversations that we have with uh, Malcolm Jenkins being the example that you gave, immediately there was some kind of kickback from people who believed it should be done differently and I think with all of this, in theory, we all want to, and I hope we all want to see race relations improved and we all, and there are a lot of people who believe that players can use their platform to do that, mm -hmm. but it's about getting everyone onto the same page to mm -hmm. make sure, because if 
you're kind of fighting the same fight but in different directions it can end up with a, a tug of war and, and it not actually improving things yeah I mean look advocacy work is inherently messy uh, and so <laughs> you have to just sort of allow for the messiness to, to, to be there and recognize it but at the same time the more that we can coordinate the more that we can work together uh, the more that we can collaborate with each other the better off we'll be at uh, at, at seeing real change, which is which is the goal here, because I think uh, you know we're in a unique moment in our country uh, where there is a need for everyone to kind of step up and say, "This is who we are. We are an inclusive country. We value our diversity," uh, and it's great that these athletes are, are are helping lead that conversation in lots of different ways. So we want to make sure that that when they do do choose to do that, that it's going to have an impact and that they're part of a, a greater collaboration. What was your view of the um, the XFL announcement and? And kind of the way that was framed is, it was sport very much without framed politics. initially as sport without politics and players are there to entertain people and none of that should be involved. I mean, what, what did you think of that? Is that potentially more divisive than, than anything else? Yeah, I mean, our focus is on you know having bringing people together who have different perspectives uh, and having a conversation. And we recognize that sports can provide that platform, can provide that space, because we can all come together to root for our favorite teams on game day. And, and can we use that um, collective desire to win or for our team to win to also translate that to a collective desire to um, to see change um, off the field and to work together towards that and unify and so I think that you know it's it's um, it's it's a missed opportunity if the sports industry does not play a leadership role right now because they're one of the few things in our country where that is a unifying force at this moment uh, and uh, and we see that at the team level as well we see players um, you know our, every team is a microcosm of American society where people are coming from all walks of life economic disadvantages economic advantages race all, all different types of ethnicity backgrounds and perspectives but they come together to win a game and they have to come together and understand each other to win a game and so from there we actually have been able to see um, a real desire to talk about race to overcome differences and our hope is that that um, that winning focus can can be expanded we can expand the locker room essentially to the entire country and recognize that we're all in this together we've all got to work together bridge our differences uh, if our country is going to continue or, or is going to improve and is the corporate response from the NFL being being surprising and, and welcomed by you guys because I mean from my perspective when it first started I, I was unsure how the owners would react unsure how the commissioner would eventually react and whether that group of people would side with as it was President Trump at the time in those views but in reality at the very top level from the commissioner they, they seem to be committed to held in these places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every commissioner of every league is on our board at Rise. And so we've seen every league's in a different place. Adam Silver of the NBA has done extraordinary work on the education front. We've partnered with them on a lot of initiatives there, our Building Bridges Through Basketball program. Uh, and similarly, Commissioner Goodell in, and, uh, has, uh, and, the, and the entire NFL has been um, tremendously supportive. Troy Vincent is, is very active on our advisory board uh, from the NFL. Uh, so they've really, sincere, from a sincere standpoint, even prior to the season, uh, have been very invested in this recognition that the the league can play a role in advancing social change. And I think that also was was from the um, leadership and legacy of Paul Tagliabu, who also recently joined our board, the former commissioner of the NFL, uh, who's been a, a, an extraordinary leader in this space, um, very smart, very thoughtful, and I'm really excited that he'll be a part of our efforts too moving forward. Has there been any eff efforts to to speak to the government to maybe get a yes. sit down with President Trump I mean get yeah. those people all around the table because obviously he as the the figurehead that he is was the guy who really kind of threw the 
through the gasoline on the fire with, with some yeah, of this Yeah, in this comment. particular moment. Yeah, we, you know, we, we've, um, we have been to Capitol Hill with, um, with Malcolm and many players from the Players Coalition talking with political leaders and members of the U.S. Senate in particular, uh, Democrats and Republicans, about the need for criminal justice reform. Uh, and, uh, and this March, we are actually um, going to be part of the John Lewis Faith and Politics pilgrimage to Montgomery, Alabama with several lawmakers and several athletes uh, to learn about civil rights history together. Uh, so we're focused on, on a kind of meaningful conversations with lawmakers, not photo ops. Uh, and I think players are as well. Uh, and so we're constantly looking for, for ways from a bipartisan standpoint to provide those. We also launched our Rise to Vote effort this year, uh, which is about registering professional athletes to vote and, and in turn getting them to register um, their fans as well. And here at the Super Bowl, we'll be registering uh, um, fans inside the game uh, to, on Sunday, and we're registering uh, fans who go through the NFL experience uh, and players as well. We registered, for example, Brandon Copeland of the Detroit Lions yesterday when he came through our activation. So all, all that to say is that we see the connection between working with government and, and the work that these players do, and we're trying to find ways to sincerely and in a nonpartisan way create that opportunity. It's so really fascinating the, the, the idea of the, the rise to vote because uh, I know we were out here last year when we were in Houston, and actually on the flight over, we had a genuine, sincere conversation about do we raise the topic of Donald Trump, the election, yeah. everything else as outsiders coming in, yeah. particularly to what is seen as a red state. And, and, and actually what we found was everyone wanted to talk to us about oh, it. Yeah. What's the outsider's view? What uh, do people believe in apologize. it? And, and Well, I, I mean, that's not for me to say the way as an outsider, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we had a stupid vote of our own in the last few years, so we, we can't really say much. But um, the what I found fascinating was talking to players about how their locker rooms approached the situation. Yeah. And in some locker rooms, there were open political conversations yeah. being had. Yes. And this was driving them. And in others, it was very much a case of, we don't talk about it. Yeah, and there was a very clear split in the NFL. I think there are many players who do, did and do sincerely support the president and many players who don't. And, and I think, again, recognizing that they all have to come together to win on Sunday, how do we bridge that divide? And that's really the conversations that we've been a part of in with, internally with teams throughout the, throughout the past season. Uh, you see, um, perhaps, on the news, players kneeling, and you know, the anthem has really um, captured the... Um, the, 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 the um, the media's focus on what this work is, but there's so much happening in the locker room, so many real conversations of people coming together uh, that, that's not been part of the story and that I think um, ultimately will be when, um, when, when the story is told in a more comprehensive way than it has been this season as we lived it. And, and I say all that to say is, you know, every, every athlete that we have worked with, and we have, we have worked with, for example, every rookie in the NFL this year and many of, of players on every other team, um, everyone wants to use their position. Everyone recognizes that we're in this unique moment, and everyone has different perspectives. Um, some support, as I said, the president, some don't. And so uh, what, what's been really inspiring is that they all, within a team, within a locker room, um, to a T, have said, but we still all have to bridge these differences to win our game. And, uh, and I just think we, uh, as a country, could learn a lot by uh, the, um, the actions that these athletes are taking behind the scenes to try to bridge differences and build coalitions and, and, and come together. I think that's a great point. I mean, we, we had a pretty... I mean, we say that we don't talk about this stuff when we're over here, but we had a pretty aggressive and impassioned... <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going the moment you started this. ...argument with an Uber driver about it in Carolina two months ago, maybe. Um, and, um, I mean, the, the palpable sense we got leaving is... There is a real divide in the country, and the, and the anthem protest was the thing that really drew that divide almost. Um, huh. 
But as you say, these players are conquering that divide yeah. in their own locker rooms every yes. single week. They have to in order to do their jobs. Yeah. And uh, and it, it and we saw it that we so saw inspiring. the divide in some of the locker rooms. I mean. Villanueva, the left tackle for Pittsburgh, who yeah, yeah, didn't I know. know what to do. So, so it, I know. these conflicts exist in the locker room as they well. They do, as and and oftentimes I think what's been frustrating is the way that these conflicts are told in the public eye are often not the are always not the entire story, and are often told in such a way that leads to a different conclusion about what's really happening. And and so that's been I think hard to see, um, but but at the same time, uh, it 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 has only underscored the tremendous microscope and and spotlight that all these players are on. And, and, and my, our hope as an organization at Rise is that we can help them and help teams strategically and 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 with um, sincere intent um, operate within that microscope and in, within that spotlight to create real change. Can so I ask? Can I ask one question about Stephen Ross? Who, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, is is the founder of this, and and but also, I would guess holds such an influential position as an owner of an NFL team and talking to other ownership, and obviously this is something he's incredibly passionate about just how good has he been in driving this whole movement yeah I mean he was our founder this was his vision his idea to say um, you know sports you know he grew up in Detroit and saw the way in which race really hurt that city then moved to Florida and similarly saw segregation firsthand and and always saw that that was a wrong that he wanted to write in our country and combine that with what he saw in sports which was everyone coming together and 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 using sports as as a way to in uh, that unity of sports to address what is a divisive issue was something that was a big focus for, for him and I think the thing I love about working with Stephen Ross is that he did not just talk about the need for us to come together. He invested and he does invest his money every year in this organization. He is our primary benefactor. Uh, we receive money from other leagues and, and foundations, but he launched us and, and is our primary source of funding, which shows his sincere commitment to doing this work uh, in a way that is impactful and meaningful uh, and, uh, and nationwide in influence. So, the town hall happening here at the Super Bowl, what what are you've, you've got this moment this kind of lightning in a bottle which has happened yeah. over the last year and a half so what are the next steps to make sure that if that does start to pass out of yeah. public consciousness that you've grabbed onto it and made sure that you've made the, the most of it that you possibly can well I think there's two challenges first one uh, I mean our, our goal is to really move next year into to real change and actually be able to say these things changed as a result of these a- athletes and others being involved uh, more people voted um, you know we saw um, uh, more attention to educational inequality and problems in the criminal justice system and, and bills were promoted by uh, citizens who uh, followed in suit with athletes who were advocating for real change so, um, so we, we'd hope to see that uh, but what we also want to see at the local level are more communicate, more more conversations between law enforcement and kids, for example, where athletes can bring them together to talk about um, how they can build those relationships and bridge differences. Uh, but all of that is geared towards recognizing that one of our challenges, which is that the NFL and all the leagues are, are constantly changing in terms of who's with every team and who's active and who's not. And so we're trying to provide some continuity as well um, with athletes as they change and, and have to do their job to make sure that they're also able to consistently be engaged and the team's engaged in this work. Jocelyn, been a yes. genuine real pleasure. Thank you so Thank much you. for your Thanks time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.